Before we get started, we want to take this time to thank our great friends over at Telehell, TV Guidance Counselor. It was a thing on TV, host at home, and other great podcasts that we that we can check out. And also you can visit us on YouTube. Look for Retro Cirque. That's R-E-T-R-O-C-I-R-Q. We post the great commercials and skits twice weekly, produced by our friends at Yardline Studios. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Under the Cirque. I am Yarnell, the content creator and member of Yardline Studios. I just want to simply say to you guys, thank you so much for listening to us over the past 11 episodes. I know we've been doing this for quite a while now, you know, 11 episodes. That's even longer than all the other previous shows that we've done. I even did a pilot um, show that we did called uh, Break in the Box or something like that. So I want to do something a little bit different. Um, today I'm going to show you, because as you know, I've been uh, friends with a good comedian, or should I, been, or should I say good friends with a, with a great comedian, uh, Ken Reed. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard of a show that he does called The TV Guidance Counselor. A couple of years ago, um, I, I was doing my uh, tour um, to plug my short film, Tears of Joy, and I happened to appear on his show talking about um, Boston television um, for quite a while now. So for today, I wanted to share with you some of the stuff that we did, um, uh, some of the, the highlights of some of the, of the things that we talked about, and I'm going to give you some context in references um, in regards to what we were talking about in um, that, that particular episode. Uh, you can check it out for yourself on, on, online and everything. So it's on tvguidancecounselor.com. It's like the 200th episode, because right now he's like in his like 300th or 400th show or something like that. Um, but I want you, but I want to give you a brief highlights of some of the stuff that he did. And from time to time, I'm going to show, I am going to tell you what I was talking about. So we're going to pick up from where I had the conversation with Ken about the local news media in Boston. Um, for anyone who's from there, you probably may check it out. But um, but anyone who's not from Boston, I'm going to give you a bit of context of what I'm talking about. Because, you know, everybody listens to the show from all over. So some of the stuff that I'm saying is relate is New England specific. So bear with me if, if there's a... a uh, New England bias, if you know what I mean. Boston is very a, a really rich town of of colorful people and colorful things. My parents still watch the news, but it was like a but it was a split because you had this big TV news war in Boston, especially in the eighties and early nineties. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had um, Chet and Nat, Chet Curtis, God rest his soul, and Natalie J. Jacobson of Channel Five, WCBB. You have Liz Walker and Jack Williams. I didn't even knew everybody knew who Liz Walker was, yeah. but I, but not everybody remembers Jack Williams over at WBZ. Okay, I am going to stop right there for a moment because spe- I'm only speaking for me. Okay, Liz Walker was for anybody who didn't know, Liz Walker was the first African American news anchor in the in an area like Boston. Um, she came in around 1980 from Little Rock, Arkansas, 
And then she came to Boston. She worked on the weekends. And then she went on to do um, the weeknight team with um, Jack Williams. And, of course, the thing was is that around the 2000s, the mid-2000s, she left the news business entirely and went into ministerial work. Um, she became a pastor at a local church. And then recently she retired from that as well. So just for context. So I do. So one thing about Chet and Natalie that people who aren't from the Boston area probably don't know is that they were married. That was the strange right. thing. They were a married couple and they uh, anchored the news. And the show Goodnight Beantown starring... Um, Oh my God! Why am I forgetting the Incredible Hulk's name? Bill Bixby. Um, Bill Bixby was based on Chet and Natalie. It was about a husband and wife news anchor team in Boston, uh, which was pretty fascinating. Uh, I worked at Channel Four when I was in college and worked with Liz Walker, who was also a minister. Right. She's incredibly tall. She's like six. She's taller than me. I'm six three. Wow. She must be six five. Uh, and Jack Williams, who was there forever and was just the absolute nicest uh -huh. guy, and he started a thing called Wednesday. Child, which was uh, a featured spot every Wednesday where he would feature um, a child up for adoption, an older child, and he did it for decades. And he placed or is responsible for getting placed hundreds and hundreds of kids over the years and was just such it's a great It's funny guy. how that Wednesday's Child um, franchise um, went all over because this is around the time when Channel 4, TV4, was branded as Eyewitness News. And in South Florida, they branched it out to South Florida, which our local ABC affiliate here, which is WPLG. They, too, also had a Wednesday's Child segment um, on their nightly newscast. It was weird. A bunch of Boston things ended up being sort of franchised by local um, local affiliates across the country, like uh, Evening Magazine, which was the uh, the WBZ magazine show that was a lot like Chronicle is mm -hmm. now. It was on every night at 730. Yes, that's right. And they... They licensed that all across the country as Evening Magazine and PM Magazine in a bunch of different markets, which was always interesting. But the Boston one was the first. It was. It is true. Uh, just to just to clarify for a moment, um, 1976 KPIX, which was WBZ's sister station, seeing that they were both owned by Westinghouse, that is Group W, first developed PM Magazine, or should I say, Evening Magazine. And one of the most unique things about that show was, at the time, it was all done on video. A lot of TV shows at the time were, all, were either shot on film. You know, news segments were shot on film. But Evening Magazine was sort of the only show of its kind to be shot on video. So, yeah, it was the only show to be shot on video. And they licensed it to other markets. But because King TV in Seattle had an evening magazine, which had no relation to this show, they renamed it PM Magazine for the non-Group W stations. I think Wednesday's Child was first in Boston and then was kind of licensed around the country. That's absolutely true. But just going back to what I was just mentioning earlier, we had Chet and Nat over at Channel 5. You had Liz and Jack over at WBZ. But there was only one television station that was always the third wheel up until the mid-90s, and that was Channel 7, WNEV, WHDH-TV. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, there was an anchor team over there. I mean, I'm sure there was like a big turnaround. There was like so many turnovers at that station. You had, at first, Tom Ellis and Robin Young, which was way before my time, thanks to YouTube. Was Artie Saul on when you yes, were a kid? Yes, Artie Saul. That's the, that's the name I'll never forget. I remember calling him Artie Saul. Yeah. <laughs> 
that was a crazy thing. But the the fact that he was spelled S A H L as opposed to S A L T. When I was a kid, I didn't know how to pronounce Saul, so I just called him Artie Salt. We did have that so, salt and pepper hair. Yes, yes. Artie Saul was like the, the was like the elder statesman, and he had two anchor co-anchors. On um, one of them was Kate Sullivan. Who, oh, yeah. Yeah, who left Boston in early 1990 for Los Angeles, of all places. Okay, just for context, guys, um, uh, Kate Sullivan worked at Channel 7 um, from, like, the mid-'80s. Because remember, there was a three-anchor format. Okay, the three-anchor format was uh, the late Tom Ellis, Dion Willis went to Indianapolis, and herself. By 1990, she went over to KCAL. And uh, this is around the time when KCAL-TV was owned by the Walt Disney Company, and they were one of the few stations in the nation to launch a primetime three-hour newscast, um, each for different subject matters or what have you. It was a big gamble for Disney, and we can learn more down the road. And then there was another person named Margie Reedy. Yes, Margie Reedy became the co... By the time I left Boston, Margie Reedy was the co-anchor. Funny thing, at the time, um, around 1990, um, this is when Channel 7 changed its call letters from WNEV um, around March, yep. WHDH-TV, and this is way before the Anson family took over the station and turned it into the more sensational um, 7 News. They were always the tabloidy kind of yeah, news station. At yeah, that point. It was, and it's funny because now it's like Channel 7 has lost its affiliation with NBC and now it's becoming, an, now it's fully independent. But I'm surprised they never promoted themselves given that Boston is all about independence and stuff like that. They never mentioned once that we're independent. They should have just done a, a campaign like, yeah, we're independent. We're the news station, we're independent. Okay, um, for context, though, there was a big, um, five years ago, or should I say six years ago, by the time you're listening to this, um, the late, great Ann Anzen, God rest his soul, um, had a big fallout with NBC, um, which isn't the first time that happened. And the reason why it, did, it happened, it didn't happen, uh, should I say, the reason why it's not the first time is because in the mid-80s, NBC in Miami left WSVN, which was their sister station, and moved to WTBJ, which at the time was on Channel 4, and the other time it was a CBS affiliate. Um, there was The reason for the fallout was is that NBC wanted an, an owned and operated station for themselves. That's similar in Boston because NBC, now owned by Comcast, wanted an owned and operated television station to control the ad revenue and the revenue streams they get from cable and satellite and streaming. It's business, but you get the idea. But WSHGH-TV got the last laugh because WHGH-TV is more profitable as an independent because, again, this is due to a lot of revenue stream from advertising and cable retransmission fees. Um, I've learned about this from watching uh, Antenna Man. You can check it out on YouTube yourself to get more context on that. Okay, so right about now, this is the part I wanted to get right into. Um, when Ken and I talked about the networks, how they used to do these big old promotional ad campaigns, um, it's kind of moot now because with streaming, with Disney+, Plus, with Hulu, with um, HBO Max... And all these so many streaming services, the closest, okay, but the closest thing we had 
to those big old crossover um, image campaigns would be the um, last year, or should I say 2021's uh, Paramount Plus ad um, during, that aired, that started during the AFC Championship Conference, the AFC game on CBS, which is owned by what was then Viacom CBS, now Paramount at the time of this upload. Um, and now they do these big, it's not really a big song and dance type of thing, but they had all these, so these IPs, these different IP, the intellectual properties of their respective cable networks and networks. You had, come on, you had Gail King, you had Nora O'Donnell representing the news division, don't ask me how. You had Snooki from the Jersey Shore and Beavis and Butthead for MTV and so on and so forth. That was the closest thing we can have. And of course, um, being this is 2022, the last time a network tried to do this whole mark, big, big campaign like that um, was when NBC had the Super Bowl 10 years ago and they did the um, Brotherhood of Man campaign. You can watch it for yourself on YouTube, but I gotta warn you guys, knowing what we know now about a lot of the celebrities that appear on the ad, it aged awfully. Believe me, it aged awfully. Come on, you have Alec Baldwin. You know what he's going through right now with the uh, shooting that happened on the set of a movie. Um, you had Matt Lauer and Curry, Donald Trump. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It aged really bad. So watch at your own risk. But anyway, let's Forget get back to the conversation. about the year, 1990, especially the fall 1990 season, 1990, 1991, besides the Gulf War, of course, was the fact that this is also the peak of when networks do these big song and dance fall campaigns. Yeah, where they launched their fall campaign. That kind of fell apart in the 90s. Right. This was sort of the last time they really pushed it. It was a very 70s style network push. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. There was two networks that stood out that year was um, Fox and CBS. Um, CBS had their second year of their Get Ready campaign. Yep. And the fact that they had the Temptations sing their version of Get Ready Because Here I Come. Get Ready. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who, who yeah. were weirdly in their second um, sort of their second bout of fame because of the California Raisins of all things. That was even weird because it was also a Saturday morning cartoon, ironically enough, on CBS. Based on a fruit. Yes. <laughs> and those commercials. Never forgot. In addition to the news, my parents love watching the commercials. So I just like to add that to it. Because, mind you, I guess the network was kind of confused to know who were they targeting. Were they targeting younger viewers or were they still targeting the older viewers? I guess they were trying to do a mishmash of them both when they did the Get Ready um, get ready for CBS video. You can see that on YouTube. Um, and it was really, really, it was really weird. And WHCA-TV did their own version of the Get Ready campaign, both with a similar style to the music video and there was another one, I'm surprised it still is not on YouTube anywhere. It's the one similar, they had, but the one on YouTube is the one where they had it at the diner. And they do, I guess they do it a lot for the other local affiliates all over the country that has the packages and stuff like that. But the um, WHDH version had the anchors, they even had the crew from Ready to Go. Um, it, was, it was surreal. One thing I'll never forget about that ad 
is when they when one day after the diner and everybody's dancing and they pull up to see the moonlight, which is shaped like the CBS eye, and they usually put the uh, affiliate, the logo of the affiliate. In this case, it was the dotted seven. And I thought it was really weird, but at the same time, it was really cool. It was an interesting way for them to link the national network with the local affiliate. Like they'd edit in, in people from the national shows, and then here's some footage of your local news anchor, too. Right. And they and also kind have, of make it seem they like they're all hanging out. versions where they put in syndicated shows, too. Like, for example, let's say your show <laughs> station carries um, Entertainment Tonight. They threw in Mary Hart or something, or Donahue, for that matter. Because the one they have on YouTube with the DC one, they threw in Mary Hart and and Phil Donahue, because they carried both shows. Oh, that makes so sense. So it makes sense, though. Okay, um, just to give you a brief update, you can check out the WHDH version uh, right now on YouTube, because um, there's two versions. There was the 30-second version, and the same user who uploaded that also found the 30, the 60-second version, um, similar to the DC one, which is WUSA, and a lot of other local CBS affiliates. Um, Ray Glasser uploaded the one for Cleveland when WJWTV, when it used to be a CBS affiliate, um, also did their version of the diner. There was one for a um, small station in New Orleans. No, not New Orleans, but like Louisiana also had a similar version. Um, but that one I mentioned is available on YouTube. Um, but you can hear more of the conversation I had with Ken Reed on his show, which is TV Guidance Counselor. Um, I could post the link there and you can check it out for yourself. And it's a really long-winded, but albeit a really good conversation. And with that being said, I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Under the Cirque with yours truly. Our executive producer, of course, is Vincent A. Francois. And we want to thank our friends at Telehel, TV Guidance Counselor, Host at Home, Broadcast Bulletin, and others for being supportive of this channel. And we also want to thank you for listening and supporting us through our Cirque merchandise. We have t-shirts, we have mugs, we have everything. Anything to help support this channel and to pay the talent that helps make you, that makes you enjoy the commercials. And no, we do not profit from the ads themselves. So once again, uh, check out the link. Um, the link is in the podcast, and you can check it out and check out all the links that we've mentioned over here. So with that said, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, this is Yarno saying have a good one. And this show, of course, is copyrighted 2022, uh, Yardline Digital Entertainment, LLC, all rights reserved. Have a good one, and we'll hope to see you back very soon.